Welcome to Transformation. This is farm broadcaster Don Wick with the latest in our podcast series. Transformation is made possible through a partnership by the Red River Farm Network, Linder Farm Network, and the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Numerous stakeholders have also provided support, including the Minnesota Farm Bureau Foundation and West Central Initiative Fund. Now, we've all seen the headlines about the spread of highly pathogenic avian influenza. This virus contagious, very deadly, but there is a human side to this story as well, and that's what we hope to capture in this episode. Our guest is Erica Sawatsky, who is a turkey grower at Kensington. Erica's farm has not been affected by this outbreak, but she does have a unique perspective as chair of the Minnesota Board of Animal Health. Erica, let's let's start by way of introduction. Why is avian influenza such a such a big concern in the poultry industry? You know, the avian influenza virus that the turkey industry is pretty familiar with and that we have been, um, I would say, living with avian influenza viruses for many, many, many years. I mean, even when my um, dad and, and, you know, grandfather had turkeys out on the range, so living outside when the weather was um, nice, you know, living in Minnesota, you know, they're, they're outside among wild birds. One of the reasons that a lot of turkey growers, it's predominantly the industry, you know, moved turkeys to inside barns is to protect them from avian influenza viruses. But unfortunately, you know, now in, in kind of the recent years, what we've um, experienced is this highly pathogenic form. And so what we've dealt with in the past is is a low pathogenic influenza type. And so for turkeys, that's kind of that it's similar to we as humans, the common cold. It's just kind of a respiratory infection. But with this high path strain, it's it's very deadly, and it seems to spread very very quickly. It's carried. It's spread by by migratory waterfowl, and and because it's it's high path, it is considered a foreign animal disease. And so once you know you have it on your farm. You know, the government does come in to respond and, 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 and help you take care of, of all of that. So the fact that it's a foreign animal disease and it's incredibly, it, you know, it's, it's very deadly for, for our birds, that becomes a huge concern. So what is the process after the high path avian influenza is, is say, confirmed on a farm? That's a good question. It's when a farmer, you know, has sick birds, so for any farmer, with any livestock, it's important to have a really good relationship with your veterinarian um, because they're going to help you a lot with with this process. So, if, if I had really high mortality in my in one of my barns, I, I would call my vet. So there there's a, maybe a day where you're or half a day, you know, where you're waiting for those results. And and one thing that we've kind of learned from 2015, and this is where your vet would come in place, is how to lock down your farm while you're waiting for those those test results. And, and what that means is you basically would allow no entrance onto your farm. So really just a way to just lock down your farm and keep those birds and everybody quarantined. And then once you get a positive result back, though all of that testing gets initially gets, gets tested in Minnesota, but then it also goes to a national laboratory to be confirmed. And so once that becomes confirmed by that national laboratory, then those birds are able, 
and they will unfortunately be be euthanized. Uh, we, uh, we call it depopulated. You know, a lot of people have asked, well, why do all of those birds have to be put down? And that is, it's a sensitive topic, but if you, if you don't come in and, and, and you um, euthanize those birds, they do suffer and, and they will die. As an industry, we have the responsibility to also protect the rest of the industry and, and our neighbors. And so there really is a lot of importance to put those birds down so that they don't suffer. And then that if you have neighbors, you know, there's parts of uh, Minnesota that are really densely populated with turkey farmers. And so the other thing that happens is that around that farm for 10 kilometers, that gets put into what we call a control zone. And so everybody in that control zone, if you have other turkey farmers, you know, in in that control zone or farmers that have chickens or even people that have a, a backyard flock, that control zone gets monitored so that we know that the you know the rest of those birds in that control zone are staying healthy and then any movement in or out of that control zone actually has to have a a permit and that's done through the state of, of minnesota and again that's just so that we can track and control all movement so that we're not um spreading virus as a farm broadcaster, I'm always looking at the economic side of this. If you yeah. go through a depopulation, how long does that poultry unit have to be shut down after you have an outbreak, Erica? It's it's around 28 days. And so that's something that, yeah, I haven't um, touched on. But then, you know, after those birds are, are depopulated, they stay in the barn and they're composted in, in the barn. And so there's a time frame for that that they have to be composted. And then, you know, there's there's monitoring of the temperature of that litter to make sure that, that you know, the birds are being composted and that also that that virus, it, that the litter is getting hot enough to kill that virus. Then you start the process of cleaning and, and disinfecting your barn, which is a big process too, because after you get all of that litter out, you know, and, and cleaned and, and disinfected, and also the area around your barn, all of that does have to be tested so that we're confident that there's no virus found on that farm, and then that control zone can be taken down. But yeah, it's you know it's approximately 28 days, and there is indemnity funding from the government, which helps. But certainly the, the economic toll is, I mean, that, that will hit a farm incredibly. And not only that, but the, the, communi- the community. I mean, if your farm isn't in business, you know, you're you're not going to your local hardware store or your grocery store to feed your employees or, you know, it's not just on the farm level. I mean, it does spread into the the community side of things. And that was something that we, that the industry noticed in 2015. Because of how contagious this virus is, it's, it's, there's got to be a sense of fear, I'm thinking, throughout the poultry industry today. Certainly, yeah. We're very fortunate that on my farm that we haven't gotten it. Knock on wood, I always say yet because you just have this fear that you don't know who's next and it feels like it's po- it's just kind of popping up everywhere. But it it certainly makes you second guess, you know, your your daily management every day. And, and an example that, that I'll give you is 
about once a week we bring we have just like a small garden tractor with a tiller on it and so about once a week in in our grow out barns we'll bring that and then we'll till in those barns to keep that litter turned and and fresh for those birds and it even i mean it's it's hard to even decide is it worth the risk of of driving that tiller to the barn because is there a risk of tracking in <laughs> tracking in this this influenza um virus and and we certainly you know before you bring it into the barn i mean we'll spray our our tires down and and stuff too but you always question you know is the ris- risk worth it but we do have that responsibility of of caring for our birds at the end of the day and you want to make sure that they're taken care of too so it really it puts you in a hard a really hard position to sometimes know you know how like how you should move forward. And so so we start, you know, our baby turkeys in what we call a brood barn. And those, those turkeys, um, those babies will stay in a brood barn for, you know, d- depending on the farm, like four to six weeks. And then they have to get moved out into a grow-out barn. And I've had other growers say to me, you know, I've moved birds for 20-some years or, you know, however, however long they've been farming. And they said, this spring, I've never been so nervous in my life to move birds, just because you're taking them out of the barn driving and you're putting them in another barn. And so, you know, do you accidentally expose them to um, to this high-path virus? And I look at it as a, a particularly in animal agriculture, you're in the food business, this concept of, uh, of having to euthanize the flock how does that impact a grower emotionally? It's it's got to be very tough. Yeah, and you know I can't. Um, like I said, we haven't had that on our farm, and so I can't really um, speak from firsthand, you know, experience. But I mean, the amount of time that you spend, you know, taking care of those birds, and then if they get, you know, sick and they have to be depopulated, it. It's a very sickening feeling, and even, you know, when I've had, I mean, I've had uh, baby turkeys that have gotten sick when they've been, like, two weeks old, and, you know, in a, like, in a day, I'll lose 300, and it's hard to even put into words um, that feeling, too, because, I mean, you're with those birds every day. For me, you know, every morning when I have babies, the first two weeks of their life, I mean, I'm in that barn probably three hours every morning just taking care of them. They, they're babies. They need that, you know, amount of care. It's just a helpless feeling. Are there things being done within the industry to, to address that, that mental health aspect for growers? There, yeah, there are. For any turkey farmer who is um, a, a member of the Minnesota Turkey Growers Association, there's a weekly email that's sent out to all of the growers with um, an update kind of what should you do if you think that you have it. This is the numbers to call, you know, just an abundance of, of information for those growers. And there's always a number included that included in that email for that mental health aspect. And then there's also, there's a poultry um, extension specialist through the U of M, and she sends out a weekly email with some support, you know, like that and in, in, information on the mental health um, aspect of it. You know, I look at animal welfare, certainly a priority for for anybody in in the animal agriculture business, and and we have seen a reaction from the activist community, obviously a 
an understand a misunderstanding from those folks on on why these birds are being being euthanized. What dimension does that add to this whole mix? Um, not not a good one. I that's if you put yourself in you know a farmer's shoes where they're going through this. I mean they're you know they're already losing a flock that they've put so much time and energy and, and care into, and then you have to worry about that. Yeah, it, um, it's it's hard, and I think you know animal activists are something that we always kind of you know as farmers have to worry about, uh, particularly when we have livestock. But it's almost it's almost un, unfair, and I hate to use that word, but it's almost unfair that that's another perspective that we have to include as we're going through this loss on our farm. That's because it, it's a totally different aspect that's added on to an already very difficult situation. Oh, like I said, truly a misunderstanding if you really are yeah. thinking about the welfare of the birds. Right, right, right. So are, are farmers leaning on one another during a, a time like this? You know, I sure hope so. You know, I've had some farmers who have gone through it who have who have reached out to me just knowing that, you know, I'm on the, the Board of Animal Health. And so they've reached out to me with, with some questions. And, you know, I've always promoted that with them also to, you know, to talk to other growers who have gone through it. You know, I fortunately haven't gone through it. So it's, that's a different, you know, perspective. There's, I mean, I don't know what they're, what they're going through. And, and I think most of them do follow through and, and they do do that. I think it's always important to communicate and, and lean on each other when when everybody is going through through a hard time. So I do think that there is some of that going on, particularly when you look at, you know, some of our counties that have been hit fairly hard. All of those farmers, you know, they farm right next to each other. And they so they certainly are, are neighbors and um, and friends. And so they, I'm sure, are leaning on each other because, you know, in difficult situations like this, you, you have to. And I, I believe that that's how you make it through. Certainly, as we, we talk about the high path situation, we're, we're also in the business of raising birds for food production. We can't take our eye off the ball on that either, can we? Yeah, yeah, we still uh, still want to stay in business and, and continue to raise turkeys year, you know, year round. And, you know, everybody who has been hit has, has a goal to stay in business and, you know, get their barns completely cleaned out so that they can stay in business and keep raising turkeys. So, you know, everybody out there listening, continue to to support turkey farmers and, and buy turkey because you can eat turkey every day. You don't just have to have to buy turkey on Thanksgiving or Christmas. Great point. Any other final thoughts, Erica? No, I think that's it. Thank you for um, for reaching out and, and uh, talking with me today. Again, our thanks to Erica Sawatsky, a turkey grower from Kensington, Minnesota, and chair of the Minnesota Board of Animal Health. Funding for this episode was provided by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. And a reminder, you can hear all of our Transformation podcasts online at rrfn.com forward slash transformation. Or you can go to the podcast tab at linderfarmnetwork.com. Transformation also available at all the other places where you typically find your podcasts. And as always, I'd like to remind you that help is available if you're dealing with a very stressful situation. There's the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline, which is free and confidential. It is available 24-7. All of the calls are answered by trained counselors. 
That helpline number, 833-600-2670, or you can text 898211. Information is also available at minnesotafarmstress.com. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.